0: Welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we are meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters, and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. Welcome back to Enhanced Living. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am about to bring on a guest on the show who is a very good friend of mine, but he is also, but he is also, he is also a wonderful human being who affects the lives of many. He is a licensed acupuncturist, clinical nutritionist, and he works in functional medicine. I would love for you all to meet today, Eric Miller. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's funny because we've we've been friends for a long time and, you know, our families hang out and we've talked about what you do. And it's just such a it's such a pleasure to be able to have you on the show to talk about what you do and how you're helping so many people. So I want to get right mm-hmm. into it. And, and yeah. I want you to tell me a little bit about how you got into functional medicine, how you became an acupuncturist mm-hmm. and and why the focus on nutrition.
1: Way back when, when I was in school, even prior to acupuncture, clinical nutrition, and so forth, I was actually pre-med, you know, so one of my dreams growing up was to be a heart surgeon or a neurosurgeon. Going through school, I... Loved anatomy, physiology, you know, neurology. I just had a kind of a obsession with the human body. I thought it was just such a beautiful machine and such an incredible system. And so I kind of started in the Western sphere, if you will, and kind of, you know, was doing all the pre-med and getting ready to go and go all through that process. And then one night I actually hung out with my one of my, my father and, and one of his college buddies. And he, his friend um, was, you know, kind of a lot into... Meditation and a lot, of, a lot of things dealing with the Eastern world and meditation and, and herbology and energy medicine and so on and so forth. And so that was the first thing he said. You know, you know, have you ever heard of acupuncture? Have you, have you looked into it? You know, it's something that you might that might complement what you're doing and that type of thing. And at the time, I had really had not. I, um, I re- hadn't heard anything about it, so I really delved into it. As I do with most things, I go into something. I go like I go in, you know. So I did a deep dive into that and studied the history of it and what the you know the philosophy and a lot of the the, the rules around that whole thing. And by the time I kind of resurfaced, I really was kind of like, wow, this is introducing a whole other level or another dimension to the body and to healing that I knew existed because I came I come from a pretty spiritual background, which I'll totally delve into in a moment, but. It really provided a kind of a well-rounded, where you're looking at both sides of the coin, if you will. You know, adding acupuncture, energy medicine, and even nutrition, and herbology to the Western side of that. And so, before I knew it, I had shifted. I shifted out of out of the pre-med. A lot of the courses were similar, but I kind of shifted out of that and finished my you know my bachelor's degree. And, and before I knew it, I was applying to my master's degree in acupuncture and Oriental medicine and and that's how, that's how I got into it. And I went through the four years of that and became an acupuncturist and nutrition was also a very big, again, because I was always big about physiology, neurology, and what does the body need naturally? You know, we all know at some point things get bad enough, you use certain medications and so forth to help work out symptomology problems and, and to, and to bide time while you work on the underlying issues and, that's so, and that type of thing. And so As I went through anatomy, physiology, cellular biology, and all that stuff, I realized, you know, the body, the cells, you know, they run on, you know, at least physically, they run on nutrients, you know, they they drive these mechanisms and this machinery, if you will. And so nutrition took on a whole new light for me. And I started to realize in the working with people, if I really wanted to help them long term, I needed to get under the hood, I needed to get down at a deeper level and be able to identify where the imbalance is metabolically, cellularly. And acupuncture allowed allowed me to do that, as well as look at the energy systems. We can go even one step further, and we start looking at cells, not only as physical, incredible physical little machines and worlds in, in and of themselves, but there's a whole bunch of energy and information. You know, I started looking at quantum aspects of this, and you see that energy and emotion and all of this stuff, it's all intertwined. You know, it's not... As I learned when I was pre-med, you know, we have all these separate systems that they, they don't necessarily always interact with each other. And, and in, the, in the Eastern medicine, everything's, it's a, it's a web. It's an integrated web. And that's, that's, an, that's a principle that's big in functional medicine. So if people haven't heard functional medicine. Really, the easiest way to understand is, the way I practice it at least, it, functional medicine is utilizing things like lab work and assessment forms and, and, and really looking at the data to go upstream and really find where the imbalances are occurring on a physiological and cellular or metabolic level and correcting those imbalances so that you don't end up with the major problems down the line that then do require some medication sometimes, you know? So functional medicine really is about going upstream, being proactive, being preventive, and including all of these types of modalities, whether it be lifestyle, diet, things like meditation, which I'm huge on, to begin to rebalance the whole system,
0: and that's absolutely beautiful. You know, you mentioned that you took a deep dive into meditation when you first heard about it, and anyone who's been listening to the show for a while knows that that's that's kind of my mo. I, I dive deep into like it, anytime something kind of piques my interest, it's literally headfirst. I'm into it. I'm swimming around in the in the whole thing. I'm totally immersed in it. And then as I'm as I'm swimming around in this, like I'll be like, okay, cool. This part resonates. That one doesn't. This this resonates. That doesn't. And then I'll resurface, as you said having now incorporated the things that resonate with me and releasing the rest. And that's kind of yeah. my, that's, that's my, my MO and how I work. But I think it's wonderful that from a functional medicine perspective, you're, you're basically blending East and West. You're, you're basically right. saying, cause yoga and Ayurveda, which is what I've, which is what I'm certified in, you know, it talks about a holistic approach to health and wellness yeah. and, it talks about right living so that you can prevent the acute issues later on, but mm-hmm. it does, it is a proponent of, Hey, listen, if you do have an acute issue, Western medicine is going to help that. Yeah. So I just think it's, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of people, they think that, you know, Western medicine, it's the bandaid, you know, like you're, mm-hmm. something happens, Oh, I'll take a pill, it'll fix it. And then I can go back to doing what I was doing, but that's yes. not what you're teaching.
1: Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Um, it's interesting, and this is probably a good time to, you know, kind of get into this is I think as time goes on and I've seen it over the last, you know, I've been in practice for 15 years and I, and I, what I've seen over time is I do a lot of listening, you know, I listen to people's stories, listen to what's going on with them and, and, and really listen deeply in between the lines. So, you know, they may be saying something, but what's really going on beneath that. And then I, you know, I listen a lot and then I ask questions, you know, to help get down to these deeper levels. And what I see, I've seen over the years. I've, I've seen people's approach and view of the human body and health and well-being. You know, nowadays, I'd say about ninety-five percent of the of the of the clients that I work with, they understand that how they feel, the emotions, what they're thinking, these types of things. They're like, you know, there, there's something there's something going on between these things. There's a connection that's going on. So you're seeing a really educated and empowered people, you know, that are really starting to look at health and well-being in a much more holistic way. It's not just I have this physical issue. What do I need to take to get through the symptoms so I can get back up and get to what I need to do? You know, that's maybe one layer of it. But then there's there's many different layers to that.
0: Yeah, and I I definitely think people are are 100% waking up to that. You touched on earlier about the fact that in Western medicine, you were taught we have all these separate systems. But when you got Mm -hmm. to the functional side of things, you're like, no, no, no everything's connected. And I think that's kind of like a microcosm of actual, of, of life in general. We're all connected. Everything's connected. You know, Absolutely. you look at the butterfly effect, butterfly yeah. flaps its wings in Thailand and there's a tsunami in Portland. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Hopefully yeah. not, but because uh, that would be trouble, but you know, it's, it, it really is all connected. And I believe it was Nikola Tesla that said, once we start thinking of things in terms of energy and vibration, we'll, yeah. we'll grow by leaps and bounds faster than we have in the last century. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's essentially yeah. that it's all about energy, vibration and frequency, Absolutely. Um, which leads me to this. I know that you spent about a year living on an ashram, mm-hmm. spending between four to six hours a day in meditation. First yes. of all, I want to know how you ended up there and yes. <laughs> also what
1: that was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. To start by saying that year that I spent in, you know, in the ashram uh, living in a monastic order was the most incredible, life-changing year of my life. I mean, there's not a part or an aspect of my life that it hasn't been touched by that. And the way that really happened really is, you know, as I can mention a little earlier, I, I think from the time I was 17, 18 years old, I, I, and I was brought up in the, in the Catholicism and Catholic tradition. And there's certainly beautiful aspects of that, but there was always this little gnawing in the back of my mind that there's, there's, there's something missing here. And, I, and I, started, I, I just kind of started looking East. So I started reading a lot of Thomas Merton, uh, a lot of uh, Zen Buddhism, a lot of Tibetan Buddhism, a lot of different traditions, if you will, Hinduism and so on and so forth to get a real well-rounded flavor for that. And so I was reading, 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 reading. And right around age about 24, 324. I had already applied to acupuncture, you know, school. I was, I was halfway through my four years and I had a girlfriend at the time and the draw, the, the, I had this really strong pull to, you know, I I had come across some information saying, wow, there you, you, there's an actual ability or the, the, the opportunity to go and live, to become a monk, you know, and to actually live that. And that right there, I just knew in my head, I was all, And in my heart, really, I was like, I'm there. You know, I knew instantly. Then it was really about, how am I going to tell my girlfriend? <laughs> you know? Oh by, the, so, oh, by
0: the way, things are great, yes. but I'm about to become a monk. Um. Yes, exactly.
1: Yes, I know. It's like, it was an interesting next talk that we had, you know, but- but essentially halfway through what I did, I ended up taking a, a hiatus from my master's degree, from my master's program, and I took a year off, you know, had that talk, and, and by the way, my girlfriend at the time was wonderful. It was hard, but it, she, she understood because she knew who I was. And I'd entered into the monastic order there, and I spent that 11, 12 months of my time working outdoors. you know I took care of the landscaping, and I was a monk. I lived in a house with four other guys who were on the same exact path. And we essentially worked in silence, you know? So other than the necessary talking to, you know, who's, who's t- whose turn is it to cook and break, you know, the necessities, it was silence. And so I'd say for that better part of that year, I was in silence for a good like 85, 90% of the time. And my day was waking up at 4.30, doing a two-hour meditation, having a small breakfast, showing up on, on the on the premises, on the land there to help start, you know, take care of the gardens and do all this stuff in silence, Come home, eat, and then really you know spiritual study, if you will, or reading and then and then long meditation, so on average, I was meditating you know four to six hours every day. you know there's many different techniques and traditions of meditation, and then you know there's, there's a science to that whole meditation, so I utilize specific you know techniques of meditation in order to help really begin to go through the laborious process of calming and stilling the mind and in, in, in order to allow some deeper. Realities, if you will, and deeper experiences to to come up you know to kind of arise from the depths, if you will, so during that year i you know I had a monk that was in charge of me, and I had the great opportunity to be around some very incredible uh, elders, if you will, the monks who've been monks for sixty some years and was witness to some, you know, I'll just put it straight out there. I, I, I on, a, on a few occasions, witnessed things uh, had in the realms of telepathy and understanding and knowing and uh, telekinesis and moving things that, you know, most people attribute to like, you know, X-Men type situation. Right. We saw these individuals doing this, not for any reason of self-promotion or anything by any means, but to really just demonstrate what reality we actually live in. That what we can you know touch and see and is not what it really appears to be, you know which kind of goes back to what you were just saying about you know energy frequency vibration and so forth, and so essentially that yeah that that year after um, this is a really beautiful story after that year, I had the choice of going deeper into that way of life and just becoming a monk or going back out into school to finish my master 's degree and kind of go back out into the world, so to speak you know and I remember being in such an emotional place I was I I didn't know I truly didn't it was a, it was a it was a fork in the road and I had no idea where, which way I was supposed to go and so I had made an appointment with one of the one of the elder monks that were there and we sat down and had a really beautiful talk and conversation and and you know I had tears going down my face and I said Hello. I said I'm, I'm I I kind of surrender here I, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do you know I'm I'm I and I kind of went on and I was in the middle of just kind of pouring all my story out, and he kind of just reached over and he just kind of tapped me on the knee. And he, it, the, the feeling I got immediately, I mean, he looked at me and he, he knew everything. It it, this is one of those moments. It was incredible. He, he tapped me on the knee. He says, he says I, I understand. I get it. And he proceeded to go over picking out specific events in my life. Earlier in my life, from the time I was in my early teens and so on and so forth, to build the story up to why I am where I am. Now, mind you, I had never mentioned a thing about my earlier life to this gentleman. You know, so he he seemed to know things about my life and, and, and very specific that there's no way he would ever be able to know. So you know, that's a whole conversation in itself in terms of how, how he was able to know that about me. And it speaks a lot to the oneness and the connection, like you mentioned of everything. But point being is he really, in a beautiful way, you know, he said, you've, you've done this before, you know, this, this particular way of life, he says, you need to go back out and finish your degree. Your work lies out in the world. And, and he said, you know, sometimes people make more progress Outside in the world than they do out inside here, and and vice versa, you know. So he had taken that huge weight off my shoulders and and kind of let me know where I needed to go, which is incredible. So I mean, to say the least, I mean it, that and other uh, lots of other different little tidbits here and there, but that I, I still meditate uh, daily, and it, it's one of those things that for me personally, I, it, it, it there's no way I can survive or really function without that, you know. Um, you it would be really, Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and that's something, you know, too, that, you know, the meditation, sometimes we tend to look at it and it's a little bit out there, so to speak. There's not a lot of tangible things to grasp onto when you think about that. And it's one of those sciences that uh, I think is a really important thing to begin to expand upon and to really Create what I call like a cognitive literacy, if you will. There's a certain base level of understanding that I think we as human beings need to grasp in terms of what a a practice like meditation actually has on our brain and on our cellular life and on our health. You know, it's it's the other side of the coin. I tell my clients all the time, you know, we're going to do the labs, we're going to do all this stuff physically, but we're also going to look at the other side that's not always so visible, and that has to do with your your brain, your mind. Your thoughts. What's what, where is your, your inner world, if you will? It's exciting because we're moving into a time where I get this general feeling that people are dying, and unfortunately, sometimes literally, but I'll just metaphorically, for something else to fulfill them, something to to bring about a greater sense of peace and, and understanding. Definitely understanding and some sort of an authentic power that they can operate from. You know, so uh, it's a, super important.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. I mean honestly, I it's it's funny because when you look at the physical world itself, the the world that we believe is so real because the illusion is that powerful. I mean, we know through quantum physics, through science, I mean, quantum Mm -hmm. physics, it may may be a newer field, but it's still science. It's still scientific experiments that are taking place that people take, you know, this is a real thing. We've discovered that literally everything that we perceive is energy Mm -hmm. and the particle can be the wave and the wave can be the particle and it depends on the observer. So that, that really flips all of reality on its ear. Yeah. And so, when you look at what we do as human beings on the day day to day basis, where we're just trying to accumulate things, right? We're trying to, you know, you want the nice house, you want the nice car, you want the flowers in the yard, you want whatever it is that you want whatever yeah. it is that you get, there's always something else to achieve, whether it's the promotion, what, whatever it is, that yep. physical side of it, the ego yeah. side. And I, I don't, I don't mean ego in the ne- negative way. It's just the ego yeah. is what it keeps you attached to the physical, right? Exactly. All of those things. Anytime you fulfill that it's ultimately empty. And I think people are starting to realize that just accumulating things, achievements, what's whatever, um, it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't bring true happiness or true bliss that can really only be found when you, when you look within, when you look inside yeah, and that's, that's kind of what meditation has been for me. I mean, just specifically through this, this pandemic that we're all living through, I think that without meditation, I don't even know that I would still be living in a home. I, I think I might've, <laughs> yes. I might've lost <laughs> it to the point where I would be like just out on the streets. So right, to me, right. it's invaluable. And I think that absolutely what you're doing is so wonderful. I mean, you said earlier on that when you saw the opportunity to jump into the monastic world, you had this inner pull, this like no, yes, I have to go. Yes. And and instantly I wrote down I'm like, "Okay, why did you leave?" because, you know, you were doing all these wonderful things and mm-hmm. you were experiencing all this amazing bliss and mm-hmm. higher levels of consciousness, right? But at the end of the day, there is something called karma, and you've you've already achieved that, which is what the inner pull was. It was like that home. You're like, I, yes, yes, I yes. love this. Yes. But your your <laughs> your purpose was to come out with that knowledge and then share it with everyone, which is what you're doing.
1: That's exactly right. You know, and and I think you know you, you really bring up a really important point, which is all the work that you do. Whether it's out in the world, or especially when we're talking about inner work, you know, living us, you know, in the monastic order and introspection and and, and 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 transmutation of energy and evolving and all of that, growing spiritually. There's two sides of it that I learned, which is you know, there's the meditation, self development, self evolution, but then there's the other side of that, which is that everybody out in the world, every being out in the world, is an extension of. The one, that self as an extension of myself. And the truest joy, whatever you're experiencing within, whatever developments and accomplishments you make inwardly, they're only they're, the, the, the the true grandeur and glory of that is is in the sharing and is in the service to others. Because in reality it's that it's that one self that is serving itself. You know, there's there's only that. There's only that, you know, you know, we can get into the more esoteric aspects of that, but the true joy you know, that we're all looking for that you, as you said, you know, there, there's a certain amount of a a sense of pleasure and sense of accomplishment. If you, you know, you study well, you do, you make a great living, you buy the house and the car. And stuff. there's, there's a great amount of a sense of accomplishment in that. And there's, there's, that's cool. But the true sense of, of joy and that overpowering sense of, of peace and joy arises when you lose your sense of yourself. In service to others, you know. So So, it's
0: it's so true. It's so true. And I find that one of the biggest benefits of meditation really is the ability to interact with people on a much higher level. In the sense that if someone comes at you with anger, if you have a deep meditation practice and you're rooted in who you truly are, you're not going to lash back out at them. You're going to just kind of just be like, yeah, all right, well that's that's where you're at. I'm, you know, and you'll send them love, but you're not going to react. As much, you're just gonna exactly. be able to act and maybe diffuse the situation. Whereas without that
1: practice, you're, it, it turns into a full blown fist fight sometimes. Uh, it absolutely does. It does. I mean, that, that one of the one of the big things when I'm teaching clients about meditation and 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 really breaking it down, I say, look, when you walk out that door into your world and you're dealing with people, whoever you you know comes on your path, so to speak, in your world life. And if somebody says something to you that, you know, whatever it is, let's just call it a negative thing, just because that's what tends to trigger people. What meditation really allows you to do out there on, you know, on a day-to-day basis is it gives you the power, it gives you the uh, opportunity, the freedom to be proactive about how you want to handle that as opposed to just immediately reactive. You know, so many you know, people get cut off and whatever, and immediately you just go, you, you just go right into reaction, you know. But meditation, what it, what I always tell people, meditation, when people live their life, and so many people laugh and they totally get this, Is like, I live my life, I feel like my life is like right here in my face. And it's just like, it's like, uh, you know, it's just right there. So whatever happens to me, I'm just constantly reacting to it. And I say meditation inwardly takes this and it moves it way out here. So there's a, there's a space here that gives you time and gives you a space essentially to decide, look, okay, this guy just did this, or this person just cut me off, or this just happened hmm, how do I want to handle this? As opposed to immediately reacting, you know, so meditation gives you that, even that, you know, speaking, you know, scientifically, it gives you that neurologic plasticity and the new pathway that gives you a third option, as opposed to, I'm either going to knock this person out, or I'm going to just run away, or I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret later. The third option is, hmm, how do I want to handle this? And, it, and it, that alone if you can be doing that even half the time, you will I guarantee you, you start to see the quality of your life change
0: first of all I, I say that all the time that that meditation will give you it creates space around the moment or around whatever the external stimulus is, and I've never actually heard it put. So eloquently before. I love the idea that it gives you the neuroplasticity. I've never really thought of it from that perspective at all. And really, just the hand up in the face and saying it just pushes it out a little bit. I, I really <laughs> love the visual of that. I mean, it, you know, obviously, we're whoever, you know, you're listening right now. This is a podcast. You're, I mean, we're in your ear, but, you know, we do have this up on YouTube as well. And so, uh, Eric literally had his hand right in front of his nose with respect to, you know, having life right up in your face. And then the benefits of meditation are that basically, it moves the hand out by about six to twelve inches. You know what I mean? Yes, it gives right. you that, that extra <laughs> space to, to be able to proactively act in the situation as opposed to react and then and then yes. apologize later. Because nine times out of ten, if you're a good person, you know, and you just react in the moment, you're gonna you're gonna be apologizing for your behavior later. So yeah, you know, absolutely. it just saves you that step of the apology later. Now absolutely. I wanna kind of delve into a little personal scenario in your life where you've overcome something insanely difficult. And, and I believe personally that your background, you're, you're being rooted in meditation. You're being rooted to a higher, higher consciousness and as well, your functional medicine background. I believe that this is what helped you overcome it. Now, um, Eric, Mm -hmm. you, you are a cancer survivor and that was an insane journey for you. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? How, how this came to be and how you overcame it? I, I, I would love to talk about
1: that. Absolutely, as as I had my hand in my face, and I talk about life being up in your face. You know, we, you know, we as, as human beings, we all deal with work situations, family situations, health situations, uh, financials, whatever you know, you name it. But if there was for me personally, if there was one thing that all those years of meditative practice had prepared me for, it was this one, which was. It's one of those stories, you know, where I'm a clinical nutritionist, I take my supplementation, I exercise, meditate, I do, you know, quote, unquote, do everything right, so to speak. And in October of 2018, what had happened essentially is that I I never have any digestive issues, you know, I've been, you know, knock on wood. And, and, and one night I was sleeping and I started to feel like I was having some stomach pain. And I was like, that's odd. I never have stomach pain, you know, it was about 2.30 in the morning said, so, no, no worries. I'm just going to, I'm going to get up and just kind of walk it off and I walk into the living room. And I started getting extremely lightheaded. And I'm like, and, and sweaty, you know, it's kind of sometimes if we've ever experienced low blood sugar and such, you know, we know kind of what that you get a little shaky and sweaty. I'm like, okay, my blood sugar or my blood pressure is kind of dropping here. I need to, so I made my way to the couch and I, and I kind of recovered a little bit. I said, okay, being a clinical nutritionist, I know exactly what this is and I know exactly how to handle it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in the kitchen. I've got what I need to, to get this under control. So I get up and I get halfway to the kitchen and apparently I don't remember of course, but I, I I just passed out and I just hit the floor. My wife heard the big sound of me hitting the ground and she called my name about five times and I didn't respond. She finally found me on the ground and I got up and I, you know, and, and, you know, we went on with the night, but essentially what had happened, she said, you're going to the doctor. And I said, got it. I think this is since I've never fainted once in my life, at this point i'm like i think i better go to the doctor something's going on here and of course that's when i was diagnosed with a hodgkin's b cell diffuse lymphomic cancer the reason i had passed out that night is because there was a large tumor right here by the side of my heart and it had wrapped around two blood vessels that were the main blood source to my brain so that tumor was essentially just kind of squeezing on those two on those two blood vessels obviously i had gotten back up and got diagnosed and and my oncologist, which is just an incredible man, he was just very straightforward and, and, and loving and, and just like, this is what we're going to do. You're going to get through this. You got your CAT scan results. I'd gone all through all that. And so I had a smaller tumor up here. And then I had another one down here by my, my by my heart. And he said, thank God you fainted. Because if you had not, and you had gone another two or three weeks, because lymphomas by, by categorization they they are very quickly forming tumors. They grow very quickly. And if I had waited another three or four weeks, he said, you would have fainted and that would have been it. You would never have gotten up again, you know, because those tumor would have completely clamped out those those blood vessels and you would have died, you know. So as I went through treatment and and so I went through seven months of very intense chemo. I had a, a port implanted and I spent a week, one week out of each month in the hospital. 24 7 chemo. uh, And then I spent the, when I came home, I'd spend the next two and a half weeks sleeping uh, because of the fatigue and the pain from the medications and so on and so forth. And so I wanted to, you know, before I move forward with that, with the meditation aspect, one thing I will say from a clinical nutrition and functional medicine standpoint, you know, it's so interesting when you go to conferences and you talk to colleagues and people in this world, most of the time they're so pro. nutrition, natural, all that stuff. And they 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 kind of demonize the Western world in terms of the medications and chemo and chemo gives you cancer and all this stuff. And, and yes, technically chemo can do that. That's true. Having gone through what I've gone through, I look back and I say, you know what? It's not a black and white situation because the doctor even said, he said, Eric, I know what you do and I have nothing against that. And I want you to do your protocol and what you think is best but please do not go the natural route. We need to get in there and we need to knock this thing out. Um, and I said, you, done. You know, I realized where I was at and I realized that the true wisdom of that moment was surrender and let go of any preconceived ideas of what you think the healing process is and trust the fact that you're sitting in his office at this moment, having survived that little event of passing out for a reason. You know, So let's let Let's let the process, you know, happen. And so now I I look at it and I say, when something's going on, do everything that you can naturally, absolutely do all of those things. But if you're if you're faced with something truly serious, the technology that the Western world has created, especially in the world of diagnostics and really acute stuff to be perfectly honest, it, it saved my life. I would not be here if I didn't have that because of how quickly this tumor was growing. You know, We needed to get in there and just knock this thing out. So it's a testament to sometimes you need to be collaborative and cooperative together. It's not just an either or. I've, I've actually had a client. She had breast cancer and she was so on the side of just doing it naturally that she tried and she did an incredible job in her effort, but she passed away. You know, she died from breast cancer from the metastasis of it because it was moving too quickly, you know, so there's something to be said for that. But during my seven months, I will tell you that, you know, as a testament to meditation, all of that practice I had had done for a few decades prior to that, it really provided me the power and the peace of mind, you know, talk about creating space to be able to be present and to have the wisdom of surrendering to a situation. A lot of people think surrender is about, you know, putting up the white flag and I I surrender, I give up. But in, in, in this particular case, and in a lot of cases, when you surrender, it doesn't mean you give up. It simply means I'm actually going to allow the perfectness of this event to unfold for a greater good, you know, for a greater goal and greater learning. And I had the opportunity to sit in front of the monk that I mentioned earlier who helped me in that time past. He was still there. And I had met with him again once I had gotten that diagnosis. And I remember meeting him and I walked in and I saw him. And of course, I was, I had tears because I was just happy I hadn't seen him in so long. He grabbed, you know, normally they don't grab, you, <laughs> they, you know, they'll, they'll shake your hand or they, you know, they'll pronom or, you know, he grabbed as if he was going to shake my hand. And he just pulled me and he just gave me the biggest hug and he just held me for probably like 30 or 40 seconds, you know, and I get the chills just thinking about it because I knew in the moment he already knew what was going on. He looked right at me and he, and he just grabbed me. We sat and we talked and, you know, and from a real spiritual evolutionary standpoint, you know, I told him, I said, look, I have, I have an incredible wife that I love dearly and I have a beautiful seven-year-old daughter and they're in a very difficult situation with me going through this. And, and I just started crying and I said, look, I said, I'm, I, I, I get it, but I'm not actually ready to leave yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and he, and we both kind of chuckled a little bit and it was beautiful. And he just sat for a moment and he kind of just looked out the window for a minute. And then he looked back at me and he said, not yet, not yet. You know, he said, this is a process of purification and, just being attuned you know it's a process for you of purifying working out some stuff and it's also an evolutionary spot it's 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 there to strengthen your practice and it's there to help you strengthen and reinforce the things that you're doing in this world you know he says i think you're going to be just fine and of course i'm sitting in front of you and i am so incredible it really what an what, what an incredible journey that cancer diagnosis i now in the moment the meditation allowed me to look at that and say this is not happening to me. This is happening for me, and I said that to my wife, Bobby, and my and my daughter. I said, "This is happening for us." And the positives and the silver linings that came out of that, in terms of deepening our love and taking a moment to really practice that gratitude for everything that's in your life. Understandably, we get so caught up, especially nowadays, with everything that's going on, and we're again, we're right here, and we're just we're just doing. And the meditation, and of course, with that experience, I can say with, with 100% certainty that a meditation practice and creating that space, it gives you the gift of gratitude and of being present and enjoying, even in the midst of craziness, uh, enjoying moment to moment what's right in front of you. You know. I
0: mean... Yes, and first of all, Eric, thank you so much for sharing that that of course, amazing my pleasure. story. I got the chills when you were talking about seeing, running into that, not running into the monk again, but having the opportunity to see yeah. him again. And we were obviously there, but not quite there through the journey. So we get <laughs> yes. updates consistently, and yes, I didn't know all of it. Right, I'm kind of speechless to be honest. But I, I do want to say that you know it's amazing that you're able to look at it from that perspective. A lot of people aren't able to separate themselves from the circumstance, right? They, They identify with the circumstance and then they make the pain of the circumstance, their identity- so they yes. identify with it instead right. of going, you know what? No, that's not who I am. Who I am is the the witness to all this. Yes. And that's my true nature. And that's really what meditation, I think, does for us. And whether you're going through battling this crazy illness or whether we're in lockdown during a pandemic or quarantining or whatever aspect of social distancing we're practicing at this moment in time, I know for us personally, uh, like my family specifically during this time, We've gotten closer, we've gotten we've deepened our, our our own spiritual practice we've we've deepened our relationship, we've deepened the love for each other mm-hmm. and I, and I feel like it's it's something almost fortunate for you guys because having gone through what you went through, this whole situation is just like, uh eh, whatever, you know what? we'll be okay.
1: yes right. you know? yes, 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 at least I'm here to actually go through this process as opposed to being just taken out, you know so yeah, it's,
0: yeah. it's it puts things into perspective, I think, and so
1: that's exactly right.
0: I think perspective is a, is an important thing. So now you've had this insanely amazing life experience with respect to virtually becoming a monk, but then deciding not to, because you knew that you needed to bring something to the world and then surviving cancer. And now you are still on the path of helping people on a daily basis, but where do you go from here? Where, where are you moving towards for the future?
1: Where I see in my own practice, you know, I've been in, in doing the functional medicine, clinical nutrition for the last 16 years. Where I'm actually headed now is, is I'm, I'm in transition right now, actually. I'm, I'm transitioning out of private practice. I still do a little bit here and there for individuals who, who want some help in, in certain areas and so forth. But the intention really, what I'm doing is I'm transitioning out and I've created a new company. I'm developing that at the moment. Um, so as soon as I can come, I can release the name of it. I absolutely will. Uh-huh. Uh, and I hope I have the, the honor and the you know, the privilege of, of coming back on and, and talking with you more about this. Cause it's, it's one of those topics. I know, you know, you just, you just go on forever about it because it's so relevant and it's, it's, it's what it's as far as I'm concerned is why we are here, you know? So it's really revolves around and is focused on the human evolution process. So I found what I found over those 16 years, you know, working with the physical, mostly the physical aspect and, and really in the last three to four years, you know, when I took on a client and I did, you know, created a program and worked on their health, they understood that when they did this, that part of this process that they were, if they didn't know how to, they were going to learn how to meditate or, and we, they were going to be given a couple, you know, different books to start to learn and to read about it and to become familiar with that whole thing. So it's an interesting transition from, you know, more just really more physically based functional medicine, uh, energy work, acupuncture to the meditation start in the pra- within the practice and now transitioning out of practice, really moving more into an information type platform where we are doing exactly what we're doing now, where we're starting to put out the thoughts and the ideas around our, the next step for human beings, you know, and a lot of times we don't think about that and we think about so we 've evolved as human beings, and, and especially in this time and age, as we can see, the science of meditation, the experiences people are having from near death experiences to experiences utilizing psychedelics such as ayahuasca or or different things of that nature, whatever the on ramp is you know I, always look at, I like to look at it that way, I kind of look at the super highway of the spirituality, which is completely agnostic and neutral. The techniques you use, the path that you choose, whatever it is, is the on-ramp onto that freeway, if you will. So the the, the on-ramp is whatever feels right for that individual. However, in my experience, the template that you activate and the field of awareness and energy that you tap into is universal and unchanging and the same, regardless of what what on-ramp you're using to access it, you know? And so... What I'm working on now, and you know, I'm working on a book about my own life and my experiences and, and what I experienced and learned and wrote down as I was going through my cancer experience is really about what, what, does, the human, what does the human being of tomorrow look like? You know, and I'm talking mostly from the internals. You know, I'm talking about, created a, a particular theory about that cognitive literacy I talked about. What happens neurologically? What happens neuroplastically when you meditate and when you have a thought and this array and this lattice work of neurons in your brain lights up in a specific pattern, what happens? Does it just stay within your skull? Or do we think that possibly vibrationally frequency-wise, every time you have a feeling and a thought, it instantaneously communicates with this field of awareness? And so, you know, we've come across some ideas of you know law of attraction and so on and so forth, and that's one level of it. I think what we as you and moving forward in the world that we live in now, it is in our best interest if we begin to familiarize ourselves with and understand what lies with the technology essentially that lies within us. And how do we activate that template? How do we light up those pathways? You know, they always say, Oh, we use about five or ten percent of our brain. Well, what are the what's the other 90% for? And how does it interact with this field of awareness? And our sense of what we are and who we are, you know, and in the future, I'd love to share, you know, go deeper into, you know, I had a couple, when I was going through my cancer experience, I had one instance where I just had, I just stopped. And I just had this instance of just the, the, the boundaries began to blur. And there was this, an, an expansion state of, of awareness in it. And There was that feeling of, oh, wow, I am truly not this physical body that there's, you know, I'm I'm operating through it, but I'm not that. Well, that kind of stuff, in my opinion, needs to start to move out of the realm of fringe Mm -hmm. and needs to start moving into the realm of science-based understanding that quantum physicists will tell you in two seconds that the nature of everything is a bunch of atoms and mostly with space in between it. You know, we're mostly space with it. Now the co- interesting thing is somebody can say, okay, got it. You know, they get it called, cog- you know, they get the idea of it, but it didn't drop down into an experience that actually impacted how they live their life. So there's a process of moving these types of experiences and this, uh, this, this cognitive literacy field into a space where, experiential and experience is actually mandatory or almost paramount because you can talk about we're not this body got it that's cool you know and if you if you, you know you get it and you're like I, I totally I believe it I get it boom but I did the same thing but once I had the experience of that which meditation brings it has an impact on your brain and your mind uh, which are two different things that leaves an indelible imprint that changes who you who you now experience yourself to be in relation to everything outside of you you know so to speak so that's that's kind of where I'm headed now with this company is really a, a platform for beginning the process of mapping out what we look like as we move on as we evolve as human beings and tapping into those things and and that my company is connected to another company which I'm, I'm working on a musical at the same time, that is loosely based and has aspects of these principles embedded into it. So it's, it's kind of like a, you know, for lack of a better word, it's a spiritual musical, super exciting. And I'd love to talk more about that at some point. But that's where we're, that's kind of where I'm headed now. And I'm moving into that, into that creative, more energetic realm, if you will.
0: I I love that. And I I definitely, when when you launch, let me know, because I would love to have you back on the show. I I know that um, our listeners would love to hear more about that because it really is fascinating. I mean, you know, you talk about the physical effects that meditation has on the brain and on the mind. And I mean, there was recently, I read about a Harvard study that, said just 8 minutes of meditation daily mm-hmm. literally physically changes the gray matter in your yeah, brain like exactly. it creates new neural connections so yeah. we know that this is a physical thing it is a scientific thing i'm i'm very big with that because i i love mixing the spiritual and the scientific because i believe that they're one and the same essentially yes. and <laughs> um my my greatest introduction to that and i've i've mentioned it on the show i think maybe 3 or 4 weeks in a row but the holographic universe by michael mm. talbot it's one it. of my favorite all-time books. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it, took me like, it took me like, honestly, I want to say four months to read it. And I read the first like 98% of it in like two weeks. But then yeah. I, I, I would just read a page a day because I didn't want the book to end. Right, after, right. It was just one of those books that I just, I was just like, oh yeah. my God, this is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I want to give our listeners one takeaway, one takeaway mm. to live enhanced. For enhanced living, what would you say your one takeaway is for for people to do that they can take with them right now?
1: My one takeaway, if you get anything out of everything we talked about, it would be, if you haven't already, begin your education, your reading around what meditation is and find... A particular, it doesn't. You know, some people think oh, whatever I start with, I got to end with, and it's never going to change. And I said that, that's not necessarily true because we change as human beings, and and what works for us maybe one year doesn't work for the next, and we evolve. You know, I, I myself went through that as well. You know, so but the takeaway is if you haven't already, really delve into a meditative practice. You know, it's one thing to read and it's one thing to watch videos and and watch documentaries and all that, which I think is phenomenal. It's great because we we have to understand it intellectually first. But the meditation process, and I don't care, and I'm not talking about any particular technique, the meditation process will turn your cognitive and ideas and concepts around it and transmute that into experience. And here's the thing. I'll tell you right now, everybody. If, if you if, any meditator will, will I think completely get this, which is whether you're starting or you're you're a veteran at it. It's hard sometimes, you know. It's, it's, especially if you have never done it before. Why? Because you've got the neuroplasticity to do X, Y, and Z and like nine things at the same time for work. But the one thing of just like stop trying to be still and allow the mind to, to calm down can be super challenging in the beginning. So, I would say when you start reading find a particular technique whether it's just watching your breath, whatever works well for you that feels comfortable to you, do it and do it every day because it's like everything, practice makes perfect. Every day if it's 8 minutes of meditation a day, it changes your neuro like like you said Adam, it changes your neurochemistry. It creates neuroplasticity. It means that these neurons are unplugging from certain connections and replugging into other ones. And you're creating these new pathways. And so you understand when you create a new pathway in, with, when, with regard to the brain and the mind, a new pathway means a new way of seeing things, a new perspective. And it's an experiential event. It's experience. Uh, I really, I'm really harping on the experience part because that, is what for me is the game changer, you know? So that would be my one takeaway is if you haven't already go, you know, Google anything, well, you know, we can even put some resources up here for you to to get the process started.
0: I'll I'll jump in real quick because if anyone's interested in, in, in potentially talking with Eric I will have his information in the show notes below. But incidentally, tomorrow, I will be starting a four-week meditation course that will take you from just starting out to at the end of this course. You will have a complete meditation practice that includes pranayama. For those who don't know what that is, that's breath work. It will include visualization. It will include uh, energy center work. And, and it's something that I'm building on as we go week by week. Uh, I add little bits on. There's there's things that you need to do, obviously, in between. If you do the work, you will come out of this a changed person for the better. That is a guarantee. Because, honestly, meditation really does change you for the better in every way, in my opinion. It's what I've experienced what you've experienced. And yeah. uh, so that starts tomorrow. If you want, if you're interested in signing up for that class, hopefully it's not sold out by this point. But it does start tomorrow, which is uh, Wednesday the 12th of august you could just go to enhancedliving.net that will take you to my personal website and uh, just click on the meditation link and you can sign up for the course right there and then on the spot perfect eric Miller, thank you so much for being an oh. amazing human being a wonderful <laughs> friend and for being on this show and gracing us with your amazing intelligence and 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 just emotional intelligence and 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 spirituality and and just the gift of everything that you've told us today thank you so much
1: Uh, Thank you, Adam. Thank you for the the honor and the privilege of being your guest.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.